Okay. One of the things I wanted to start out with is that since Congress is in session for the Kavanaugh-Dr. Ford hearing, they're actually getting in contact with them would, would not be a good day today or tomorrow, it looks like. So I'm going to probably postpone some of what we're going to do for who is listening to you until next week. But it'll still be good and it'll still be relevant today, tomorrow, or in the future. So it'll still be helpful. I'm not sure about you, but I was catching a bit of the hearing this morning. And um, the thing I thought was interesting was, first of all, the Republicans bringing a prosecuting attorney. What do prosecuting attorneys do? They prosecute, right? That's the key to what they do. They prosecute. What about Democrats? Democrats showed a profound respect for Dr. Ford. I thought that was really amazing because that's exactly what they did. A profound support and respect for Dr. Ford. But there were two things that really got my attention today. And that was uh, Dr. or Dr. Uh, Congressional Congresswoman Camelia Harris said something that really stuck with me because it not only applies to sexual assault uh, people who've been traumatized, but as I listened, I certainly believe that it also impacts people involved in car collisions. And what she said was trauma, shame, and fear play a, a major impact. And she had gotten this from a website, by the way. This was not coming from her. But trauma, shame, and fear, and I thought, you know, that is so true. And I thought, those are the three components when you're facing uh, an insurance company and you're trying to get a decent uh, and fair settlement and benefits, those are what impact you. So on a psychological level, you have to acknowledge or, or at that time realize that that's what's going through, trauma, shame, and fear. And some of those companies may use that in order to either eliminate your claim, uh, reduce your claim, or who knows what else. I mean, I'm, I'll have to go ahead and do a little bit more research on that. But I was truly surprised to realize that that was really the key components. Your trauma, your, you know, most people are in pain, suffering. They don't know what, what's going on. They just have been in a collision. There's just so many things that are running through your mind with the trauma and the pain in your body, right? And then if some awful things happen, like you lose your job, you end up losing money. Uh, I mean, just a myriad of things. And the fear, right? The fear. What is going to happen to me? What's going on in my life? Where am I going to go from here? All of those things are impact your life. And so when they were talking about uh, this happening to sexual assault victims, I thought, maybe this extends beyond sexual assault victims. Maybe people who are traumatized in major ways expect or go through these same things trauma shame and fear so if you know about this or this is your specialty area and you know something about how people in collisions respond to this please please send me a hashtag estrus radio show or on twitter i'm sorry or on facebook at talking about you with estra and let me know because I think there's a lot of good information in there that we all need to know, especially people who have been recently injured in a car accident. Because personally, I can truly see all three of those things happening immediately after trauma. And so if, it, if you're right now in the middle of it, 
send me a note, hashtag Estra's radio show, and say, I can relate to what you're saying about the trauma, shame, and fear after a collision. By the way, I personally do believe that Dr. Ford and the hearing, what, as much as I heard at least, did a very good job of explaining what ha- happened in the situation that was going on. We'll see. I think uh, Kavanaugh is up to speak next, so we'll, we'll certainly hear what he has to say. But another thing that came out, which I thought was interesting, they talked about the neurological and biological effects of trauma. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. We as individuals don't hear that much about it. We don't hear what happens on those levels after trauma. And how many of us have experienced trauma or a significant amount of trauma? And how have we related to to move past that? I just think those are very, very important issues. So I'm going to make sure we spend a week on those because I think that would be helpful for people who are involved in traumatic events and understanding sometimes how we feel and what we're going through makes a major difference. So like I said, if you have any ideas or support or have comments on your life through some major, major traumatic event, please let me know. I think this is very, very important. So today I had to switch up a little bit because I was going to, I can't tell you what the surprise is though, because it wouldn't be a surprise. But since our Congress and many of our elected officials are very busy today. We're going to give them a break for just a moment. We're going to let them get themselves together, and then we'll come back and revisit the the things that I had planned, all right? But when I was listening to the hearing today, something really stood out. So I went out and, and took a look to see what I could find. And it was actually on civic duties. And my question is, what are you willing to do? as your civic duty. Do we really even know what a civic duty is anymore? So I just had a quick chance to go out and there was a couple items I really saw that I thought might be interested, interesting to us to go out and, and talk about for today. And also I still do have the one article I didn't finish yesterday, so I'll also include that in our discussion today. So the first uh, one I want to talk about is it's from learningtogive.org. I mean, we don't hear that much about learning to give many times, but it talks about civic responsibility. And I want to give you, it's by uh, Jennifer Self, I believe is the one who's, who's written this, if I'm reading this correctly. But I want to give the definition first of uh, civic responsibility. It says, quote, civic responsibility is defined as the responsibility of a citizen. It is comprised of actions and attitudes. You hear that? Not only actions, but attitudes associated with democratic governance and social participation. Democratic government governance. Do you see that as our, our current uh, administration today, as a democratic governance? I don't know. I might beg to differ with that on some occasions. It is comprised of actions, what you do, attitudes, the way you feel about things, associated with democratic governance and social participation. Civic responsibility can include participation in government, church, volunteers, and membership of voluntary associations. Actions of civic responsibility can be displayed in advocacy for various causes, such as political, economic, civil, environmental, 
quality of life issues. And I would add the insurance industry, in, in fact, insurance civil rights legislation is a great civic responsibility. So, as I always say, if, if you're ready to get in and dig in and make it better for people involved in collisions, either go out to uh, estruscarwreckhelp.com and subscribe or do a hashtag Estrus Radio Show because, like I say, I need you. We need you. We need to make it happen where people involved in collisions do receive their settlements and benefits and in a timely manner. And perhaps... Some of the insurance companies are coming around. I af- actually see ads that say, we will pay you quickly. We won't wait forever. We want to settle. And believe me, I hope that's true, because what they've done to people in the past is anything but that from my perspective. Okay, then it goes, and it breaks down even the words in here. So I'm going to take that. It says, civic means of relating to or belonging to a city, a citizen, or citizenship. Multiple. Mul- Municipal, like municipality, or civil society. So, in other words, you belong to the civic society of the United States of America, since that's where you live. Perhaps, if you listen to this, you might be a citizen of another country. But that's what civic means. Responsibility, it breaks down. It says, refers to the state or quality of being responsible or something for which one is responsible for, such as a duty, obligation, or burden. Okay, so being responsible. And I actually take that to act, to be something that's not as a, I want to say Debbie Downer. I don't know if I want to do the, use that term. It's got a female association with it. So I, I don't think I'll be using that very much anymore. But responsibility to me means taking on something that is something that, you value that's important to you that you take seriously. A citizen is a person owing loyalty to and entitled by birth or naturalization to the protection of a state or union, right? The union of the United States, right? We are unionized in that way, right? We are one. We are one country, right? A citizen is a person owing loyalty have we seen that even in our Congress? Did we see Congress showing their loyalty to the United States by their attitudes and their behaviors? I don't know about that one either. A citizen is a person owing loyalty to and entitled by what birth you were born or naturalization to the protection of the state or union. So in other words, all of us are responsible for what happens in this country. Okay, we are a citizen of the United States, whether naturalized or by birth. And we're responsible for what happens in our country. So if we see something that's not right, we need to, they say, speak up. You definitely need to speak up and do something about it, too, if you can. Sometimes just like the marches that we've seen in the last year and a half demonstrate that we know that we have rights to do something, to make a change. And what it takes is just each and every one of us making the choice to do so. Okay, it goes on and talks about citizenship, what it means. It means a productive, responsible, caring, and contributing member of society. Now, I want to talk about this one for just a minute. And the reason why I do is because a lot of times we hear this about contributing members of society. 
And sometimes people get into the mindset that there's a certain way to contribute to society, and I don't agree with that. I mean, it actually gives you the, uh, that statement when it says up in the definition of civic responsibility, it says actions of civic responsibility can be displayed in advocacy for various causes, like insured civil rights legislation. You know, I'm going to have to put that in. Political, economic, civil, environmental, or quality of life issues. So when you hear somebody saying you're not con- con- contributing to society, you can say, oh, yes, I am. And this is how I'm contributing. And how are you contributing? Talking all that smack over there. Right. How are they contributing other than trying to bring us down instead of pull us up? Everyone contributes every single day you get up and you do something. You're helping. You're making life better, either for you, your family your local community, your country, right? To me, military families do a lot more of that uh, in that way as far as giving. Their civic responsibility. They're They're definitely aware of that, but so are we. All of us are. We get up every day wishing for a better world. Most of us do. And so to me, that's really what's important. So let me see if there's anything else. I didn't really get a chance to uh, look at uh, some of the things here. So there's a couple more issues in this article. Actually, it's a very good one. I've never gone out to this website. It's called learningtogive.org. It's probably worth uh, taking a moment and going out there and see what they have to say. Let's see here. I might want to back up. Let's give it some statistics. I thought they're a little old, but they might apply today. Let's see where... It talks about historic roots. Civic responsibility dates to ancient Rome, whose citizens wanted to contribute to Roman society. Civic responsibility may have started with Lucius Quintus Cincinnatus in 15 B.C. Right. So this civic responsibility has been going on for quite some time. But I thought this was interesting. I'm going to drop. Pretty far down on this section, it says, in, ni- in the 1980s and the 1990s, many organizations lost memberships. For example, new memberships for the Organization of Business and Professional Women declined 89% by the end of 1997. Memberships for the Teacher Parent Association, PTA, declined 60%. Members for the League of Women Voters declined 61%, and members of the National Association for the Advancements of Colored People saw a 40%, 46% decrease in membership. And I wonder if that's about the time they started taking benefits away from ordinary people. Before, most companies treated their employees like they treated themselves, very respectful, tried to pay them a decent ra- wage and benefits, and tried to do the right thing. But there was a turn where all of a sudden companies decided it was just better just to do for themselves and employees, you're out on your own. You want something, you better go figure it out. And to me, this decline, in my opinion, I haven't done the homework though, okay, is a time when people people decided I can't do this anymore because they're decreasing the value of my wages. I'm having to work more. Things that were normal benefits have been removed. In fact, if you take a look, I guarantee you, if you look at the benefits they were giving out in the 80s and 90s, and you look at the benefits that they're given in 218 for the average uh, earner, you'll find that a lot of the benefits have been removed. 
or more like in health insurance, each employee is having to pay out a lot more than they had to before. And the process of having to pay, right? Before, uh, they would pay out and then the insurance would reimburse them. But a lot of the things that people used to be able to control, it's no longer happening. Why? Why? It's not the, for the benefit of the average employee. I suspect if we do some homework, and we might get to that, uh, not maybe this year, but maybe at the beginning of next year, as to why people aren't doing as well. And it would be because or companies decided they were going to look out for them and they forgot about their employees. So for me, that shows what happens. Citizens have to go out and they try to kind of have to try to make do more with less. And that means it causes confusion, chaos, right? People don't have as much time. They can't actually go and do all these other activities, uh, participate because they're trying to survive. So, so there's something wrong with that. Okay, let's see. It says in 2001, 44% of American adults volunteered in organizations compared to 55% in 1999. I think it's the struggle, the, the struggle. I think that this was not accidental. I think that Wall Street was intentional in, in, in bringing average households problems so that they wouldn't have time to complain about the stuff that was being done to them. Financial donations declined in 2001 with 89% of American households given an average of $1,620 compared to 70% with an average of $1,075 in 1999. Yeah, I just think that that's really remarkable. When you're in the middle of a struggle or middle of problems, it's really easy to try not to look at what's going on because you only have so much time. But I, I'm challenging you to find just a little extra time. Time to really see what's being done to this, the country as a whole. Who's profiting from it? Who's losing from it? How it's working for them and certainly not the average citizen. Okay, there's, I think there's one more section here. It says, the importance of civic responsibility is paramount to the success of democracy and philanthropy. Did you hear that? The importance of civic responsibility is paramount to the success of democracy and philanthropy. I don't know why I could do that the first time and the second time, my brain. By engaging in civic responsibility... Citizens ensure and uphold certain democratic values written in the con written, written in the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I've just got to read that part again. Philanthropy, by the way. I don't know if I'll do it through the second time. I might have to just do P at this rate. The importance of civic responsibility is paramount to the success of democracy and philanthropy. See, I don't know what it is about that second time. By engaging in civic responsibility, citizens ensure and uphold certain democratic values written. Written where? In the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. But yet, if you're struggling now because of decisions that uh, congressional leaders have made to make your life harder instead of easier, are you going to have time for that? How are you going to be able to squeeze time back in? 
I think people after the election of Donald Trump has decided they're going to make a way to squeeze that in because the significance of it has definitely been shown in the last couple of years. And particularly even when uh, Barack Obama was president and, and the Congress just refused to do anything in his term. It's, it's really kind of tragic. But if we can find just a little time, just a little uh, volunteer work to make a change, each of us, just a little, not a lot. We don't have a lot anymore because of them. But if we choose just to go ahead, get out there and find a way, we can make that better. I have to read this one more time because I think this is just key. By engaging in civic responsibility, citizens ensure and uphold certain democratic values written where? In the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. It says those values or duties include justice, freedom, equality, diversity, authority, privacy, due process, property, participation, truth, patriotism, human rights, rule of law, tolerance, mutual assistance, self-restraint, and self-respect. Tell me what's missing the most out of there. Self-respect. Because if we respect ourselves, we're going to respect other people. And that's what truly matters. We've got to do that. Respecting ourselves is the key. But that's hard when you're what? You're faced with those three things, and far too many of us are. Trauma, shame, and fear. So that's why we've got to address those issues so that we can all move on and stand up and fight for the things in which we believe. Yes, that's our civic duty on a lot of levels. And I've got to just read those. That's a lot of them. The values or duties include justice. We definitely need better justice justice in our justice system. Freedom, right? Too many of our citizens, in my opinion, are currently oppressed. Equality. Equality, that's only going to happen when all people, regardless of race, creed, or color, are treated equal. Diversity. We can see, say we certainly saw no diversities, diversities in that hearing with Kavanaugh and Dr. Ford. It was all male on the Republican side. All male, all white, all old. Old, white, males. What does that say? Does that mean they cannot be fair? No, I'm not saying that's the case. But I'm saying is if we want their eyes opened or our eyes to be open, that we'll be able to see and be have more than one way of thinking. And unfortunately, far too many segments in our society haven't realized that diversity is good, right? It's not bad. Diversity is a good thing. It forces us to think about all the necessary issues in a certain, on a certain topic. Authority. I think a lot of us have lost our respect for authority because authority has lost their own self-respect. How can you uh, respect authority when they're not respecting themselves? They're not doing what they were supposed to do. Privacy. Ooh, privacy. When people can just walk into your house... Your car, I mean, my goodness, let's not even talk anything you have. You go to 24 hours, they break into your locker. Hmm, they drive down the street behind you all the time. Privacy? Privacy has been lost in the Internet. Uh, they go in and they do what they want. The Patriot Act, to me, is the one that's really got us in a bad place. I hope that when we get a new Congress 
we'll get some people in there who will really review that Patriot Act and make it so that it's not against the people. The people didn't cause the bombing in New York, right? We weren't there bombing the place. Those were people from another country who we did not even let in as citizens. And personally, we didn't let them out either once they bombed us. But that's a whole nother story. So due process. <sighs> I don't think a lot of people would say Dr. Ford got due process in this court hearing today. But is it uncommon? No. I bet some of you out there right now haven't gotten due process. And until everyone is treated the same, this is going to be a problem. It says property. Participation. Yes, I believe most Americans do want to participate. They just want to find a place that actually does it in a way that's fair to all. Truth, patriotism, human rights, immigration, shame on you. Rule of law. Do we have a rule of law or do we just have a rule of law for some and not for others? Tolerance. It seems like we've become less and less tolerant, and I personally believe it's because of all the losses we've faced. We've lost homes, right? We've lost jobs. We've lost family because they couldn't afford health care. I mean, there's a lot of finances. There's just so many losses that we're trying to adjust to. Mutual assistance. Self-restraint. Have you noticed this last year, there's been very little self-restraint? For example, in Washington State, I've lived here for decades now. And this is the first time I've ever seen, almost see every single day, somebody's been shot or somebody's been killed. Never, never have I seen that in Washington State where you can turn on the news every day and see somebody being shot. What happened to self-restraint, self-respect? Seems like there's more self-hate than anything there. And then the last one, of course, is self-respect. And personally, I believe that's <clears throat> what we need. We what we must get back to. So, and my question is: Says schools teach civic responsibility to students with the goal to produce responsible citizens and active participants in community and government. But can a school even afford to teach that when they can't even get the right tools that they need? When the money that's going to uh, education never reaches the, the kids or the teachers? Like I say, where is the money going? We need to ask that question. Where is the money going and who is it going to? And how are they making our schools better? Because obviously it's a problem. So I just think this was a fantastic article. It's got lots more than I've actually read in here. Uh, and I, I just want to do maybe a couple more. Seems like I look and I see one or two more things here. And it says, actually, I see two more. All right, I'll stop being greedy on this article. I'll just do three more at minimum, okay? It talks about volunteering. It says, volunteering is a form of civic responsibility which involves the giving of time and labor without the expectation of monetary compensation. Many people volunteer through local churches, animal shelters, or food banks. Volunteering allows citizens the opportunity to share their skills and talents as well as to learn new skills while helping those in need of assistance. And I don't know how to break this to you, but we're all going to need assistance in one way or another through our lifetime. 
It seems like, oh, you might think you have everything now, but you may not have it in five years. You might not have it in the next hour. That's how crazy life can be. But by volunteering, you actually give something to your communities. And I'm sure that when you need help, they'll be there for you. And why is that? It's because when we're all out there volunteering, doing the things that we do best, we help each other. And that's really the important thing. Okay, it talks about here on the last section. There's two of them I guess I want to read. Important people related to the topic. And this, I'm going to do two of them. Let me make sure. Yeah, I'll just do these two. And that'll be the last part. The first one they're talking about is President Thomas Jefferson. It says, Jefferson served as the third president of the United States and authored the Declaration of Independence, which guaranteed citizens the unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And my question to you is, do you have that today? Unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? If, we, if you don't, we need to make it so. Because that is something that's been promised to us. Through civic responsibility, citizens are free to pursue these rights and to respect the same pursuits by other individuals. So each of us has that right. And the second one that they, get, they name here is Martin Luther King Jr. It says, King was a Baptist minister civil rights activist, and recognized for his example of civic responsibility in the United States. His fight for equality continues today. And guess what? That fight involves all of us to get there because I guarantee you, regardless of your skin tone today, equality is not something that you're getting one way or another. We've gone from just skin tone to social economic class. And that's the issue, in my opinion, that we have to fight for today. It says, his lectures and dialogue stirred the concern and sparked the consciousness of a generation, right? And that's why I wanted to talk about, which I think is so important for people involved in car accidents, because that trauma, shame, and fear is a way that they use to get you not to get the benefits and settlements that you should. The fear, they don't want to implement it. The shame you may be feeling because you're injured and you can't do the things you're used to. The trauma is just what happens on impact. So you have all of those things going on. And if you have all three of them, you may indeed need a good attorney, an attorney that's not working for them or an attorney that can't be flipped by them. And when I say by them, I'm talking about the insurance industry because they've been doing this for years. They have the money and the power the knowledge and are fully equipped compared to the average citizen from my perspective. So when he says his lectures and dialogue stirred the concern, the concern and sparked, sparked the consciousness of a, genera- a generation. Consciousness. See, that was not something I can personally say I was conscious of, but I certainly know it was used against me. Trauma, shame, and fear. Wow, what a powerful um, article that I happened to find, especially on a day in which I was planning on talking about something else uh, and doing things to show you a great surprise. But I'm, I'm really happy to have found it. They also talk about nonprofit organizations also in this article that have done special things. And it also gives you related websites about how to participate in uh, 
your civic duty. So it's certainly worth going out there and taking a look at. The article in which I was going to go over with you today is called Can Insured Civil Rights Help Injured? Kind of falls right in place. Insured Civil Rights promotes fair reviews of auto insurance and employer benefit claims. And that's, and that's really the bottom line for this show, is being able to ensure that people injured in car accidents are treated fairly. Most don't have the resources or the power to stand up for the things that they need. And unfortunately, many of the, even the attorneys that they might work with may not have that. Insurance companies can just say, I won't pay you for any of the cases you have. We won't pay you. We'll pay you in uh, six months, three months. We'll just spread everything out until your whole practice collapse. Um, has that been done? I wouldn't be surprised that it hasn't. So the title of this article, it's out on my blog, estraseattle.com. You can go out and take a look. There are hundreds of, of actual articles out there. And hopefully I'll get a new one out there pretty soon. It says, why insured civil rights legislation? Many people injured in car accidents can spend up to 10 years waiting for a fair and equitable settlement, only to be worse off by the end of their claim, right? So you, you tell the insurance company, I want to be treated fairly and equally. And the insurance company may say to you, I don't have to do those things. I can wait you out. Can you wait for 10 years? Let's see, most people making minimum wage, probably not. They probably can't wait till the next month. Okay, I'm going to go on. In fact, far too many find themselves living at poverty levels by no fault of their own, right? So you have no money, you've been injured, you're hurt. How are you going to live, right? You're depending on that insurance company, whether it's your employer or uh, auto insurance or LTD. There's many of them that it could be. Congress supports the insurance industry through their interactions with lobbyists, allowing a lack of legislation which could aid insurers in receiving prompt payments and legal avenues to move their claims forward in a timely manner. In other words, Congress is not looking out for you. They're looking out for the lobbyists that are paying them. So we need people in Congress who are going to what? Pay attention to the auto insurance needs of the policyholder. In fact, I challenge any of you out there, to go and take a look and see what legislation has been passed on a local level, state level, or federal level that supports you, the policyholder. And then go out and take a look at what they've passed for the insurance industry. And I guarantee you, you will be surprised. In fact, if you can find even two things they've passed in the last 10 years for policyholders, let me know. I'd really be surprised. Let's see here. Insured civil rights legislation could make this possible and empower car accident victims by creating a level playing field to insurance companies with vast wealth and influence. And that's really what we need. That's what come I say, Olympia, we need another building. Hello. We need a policyholder building. If you've got one for insurance and Social Security, where's the policyholders building? You can just set it right next to yours. I bet a lot of the things would have a different outcome if we had a fair share or place at the table, as many say. Most individuals start each morning planning on what needs to be accomplished during the day. The last thing on their minds is an unexpected collision. Those who walk away are lucky. 
Those injured will have to overcome their physical or emotional trauma. And if you have them both, it's going to take a bit of time. The most unfortunate are the ones who are unable to walk away and have had their lives taken. So if you're in a collision and you live, you need to, I would personally say, thank you, Jesus. Who you would think, I don't know, but you've been lucky. Or you've been blessed. Because some people don't actually get to walk away. Most individuals, or I mean, a lot of people do get to walk away. But the ones that don't, it's really a, a tragedy. Because there are probably millions of other things they were planning on doing. Not only just in that day, but with their lives. Most people start each morning. Oh, I just did that. Sorry. After any accident, most will have the deal with most will have to deal with auto insurance companies at minimum. This interaction can be a positive or a negative experience or move from one to the other. The key is understanding what the process will mean to you and its impact on daily living. First of all, you need to understand most of the time the people who you're talking to at an insurance company, they don't work for you. They work for the insurance company. So first of all, you need to understand they're not going to be looking out for your interest. They're going to be looking out for the insurance's uh, interest. Many people involved in a car accident must also deal with employers, too. And by the way, you're, like I've said, your employer can also be your insurance company. So you, at that point, you might be dealing with two insurance companies, your auto insurance company and your employer. And your pl employer rarely comes out and say, excuse me, I'm also your insurance company. You have to actually understand that when you look at, and if you look up and you see ERISA, you know that your employer is also your insurance company. And I guarantee you, both of those companies, your auto insurance and your uh, ERISA uh, employer, are going to be communicating. Okay, the key is understanding what the process will mean to you and its impact on daily living. So will they initially pay? Maybe they will. Some uh, employers will pay up to two years and then they'll cut you off. But they don't tell you that. And if you don't know it, you won't find it. What about your ins auto insurance company? Depending on what's in your policy, they have a plan of their own on when they're going to cut you off or when they're going to pay or when they're just going to take you to court. All right. And if you go to court, it might last for take up to 10 years to get your uh, that claim settled. And how many pe people who are poor can wait up to 10 years. That would be my recommendation. They always talk about paying yourself first. And most of the time you look at your paycheck and say, pay myself first from what? I don't have any money. I've got all these bills. News alert, you're always probably going to have bills. But you don't want to wait decades and then say, okay, I'm going to put money up now. Especially if you're just, uh, your time, you're not exempt as an employee. Okay, so if you're getting paid hourly, you want to put that money away. And regardless of what happens, don't go grab it because, you know, there's going to be a problem. I don't care if it's just ten dollars a month. Start putting it away somewhere. And, and let it grow. Unfortunately, our banks don't make it possible when they're only paying us one to two percent. So if you're you might want to go out and find some. Uh, place to maybe invest one that doesn't charge you to start up and one who doesn't charge you a lot and just put that ten dollars there 
Yes, you might be $10 short on something. I guarantee you there'll always be something. But in 10 years, you won't wake up without a penny in your pocket, and that's even sadder. All right, where am I? After any accident, most will have to deal with an auto insurance company at minimum. The interaction can still be positive or negative or move from one to the other. The key is understanding what this process will mean to you and its impact on daily living. Many people involved in car accidents must also deal with employers. Learning in advance about rights, responsibilities, past and present behaviors of corporations will aid in making a plan to deal with processing claims and learn the type of treatment the customary that's customary from those you interact with, including an initial interview with your auto insurance carrier, requests for property damage estimates, requests for medical conditions, wage loss requests, claim applications to fill out, which give authorization for them to receive information directly, just to name a few tasks most people go through. So all of those things, if you're in an accident, you're going to have to deal with, right? processing the claim. Why do they want that information? I've told you time and time again, because they're trying to see if they can trip you up and not have to pay you. So always, I always, always say, just stay with the facts. No emotions, just the facts. This is what I did. This is the amount, right? Uh, This is what happens. And the best thing from my perspective, and, and particularly when you're dealing with an employer, is you, if somebody's injured before you, watch how their company treats them. Is the company going f- or treating them fairly? Are you hearing rumors about what they are or are not doing? Is it a person that's at your level or above? Because personally, not all treatment in companies or any place else is the same. But if it's somebody in similar position, then you'll get a feel for probably how they would treat you if you were injured. Insured civil rights would give the injured an opportunity to be compensated in a fair, timely, and appropriate ways. And that's really all we're asking. Insured civil rights legislation would give the injured an opportunity to be compensated in a fair, timely, and appropriate way. You wouldn't think that was too much to ask. But unfortunately for some insurers, it is. These need to be deterrents in place against delays, denials, and intimidation to eliminate legitimate personal injury claims by those corporations that benefit from the premiums premiums of insured, that's you, the policyholder, and choose to pay claims or to keep the money. Insured civil rights legislation in place protects the rights of injured, supports personal injury victims' ability to defend themselves, and receives benefits when it can do when it can do the most immediately, right? Ten years from now, it's not going to help you as much as when you have to pay your rent the next month, right? Makes a difference. Oh, my, my, that time keeps going away. I'm just going to read the mission. I, I guess um, there's a, that's not even close to the article. So maybe we'll come back to it uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow's already Friday. Can you believe it? Or, or we'll hopefully be able to, to add a couple other things, too. So I'm just going to read the mission for this on this. It's called Estro Seattle's Official Car Accident Blog, and the name of the article is Can Insured Civil Rights Help Injured? So it says, The mission of insured civil rights is to provide individual protections when a participant, when 
is when a participant in employer group benefit plans or consumers with auto insurance policies involved in traffic collisions and find themselves at the mercy of bad faith practices. Mm. Are you with an insurance company that does bad faith practices? Do a hashtag Estra's radio show and tell me who they are. Because I assure you, if you think they're operating in bad faith on your claim, there is a million other people out there doing the same. And guess what? We see a hashtag Estra's radio show and their name a few million times. That'll tell us that we need to move elsewhere. Okay, legislative protections in place, which denies corporations the right to stall processing insured claims unnecessarily, thus creating a personal harm and financial loss in order to cause desperation and willingness to settle for far less because benefits of survival needs, right? So in other words, it's saying what they'll do is they'll just starve you to death. (laughs) Let's just starve this policyholder and see what happens, right? See when they scream. I guarantee you, most people will eventually scream. Most people can't wait 10 years, go to court, hire an attorney, give them half, all those fun things. So most people will start screaming, my family is hungry, my kids need shoes. That's not a surprise. It's not a surprise to me. Wow, it's been a heck of a day today. Your surprise is still here. It's still coming. And it wasn't a tease, I promise you. What happened was they're hearing us today and then they're going to vote tomorrow. So getting their attention right now is not going to be the easiest thing. So we will continue on and we will actually go ahead and and get that information to you. But remember to support the readerships and subscriptions of the articles. Because, right, it's either us uh, helping them or Wall Street. And if Wall Street helps... They're not going to give them, or they're not going to be interested in what helps us. And that's what we need to know. So uh, I can't even believe our time is up. It's got to stop. But remember to subscribe with me, Esther's Radio Show. You can do Talking About You on Facebook, Twitter, at Esther's Radio Show. I've got Instagram. Send me your pictures, too. If you have collisions and you want to tell me all about it, post your picture on Instagram, okay, under Esther's Radio Show. Or even Tumblr. What do you think about your civic duty? Tell me about your experiences and how they relate. Have you been volunteering? Did you recognize what the importance is? I wouldn't have realized it uh, as much as, and most of us are probably doing it and not even knowing about it, our civic duty. You can also actually listen to uh, Talking About You with Estra's feed. Uh, on HTTPS, remember I told you that the PS is really important on that these days. Blogtalkradio.com slash, slash Estra's Radio Show slash podcast. I really enjoyed talking with you. I hope you learned something new today to help you in your daily life. Because that's what this is all about. Especially if you've been involved in a car accident. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll meet you back here tomorrow. Remember... Living life is important. Don't forget that the small things don't actually, well, actually the small things can do a lot as well as the big things. But just enjoy your day, and I'll see you tomorrow.